Welcome back to Arab American Psycho. My name is Noor, and this week's guest is a Indian Malaysian model, journalist, and a John Mayer stan. Welcome, Sinner and Randawa. Hi, I'm screaming. I was not expecting that. I had to throw it in. I mean, literally, I can't even, the thing is I can't even deny it because it's like... Well, You're John Mayer's number identity. one fan. I don't want to say no. Um, <laughs> what if he's listening to this and I'm like, oh, this is just ruining all of my chances of like. I would love if he was listening to this right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, I feel like it would be a win win for both of us if John Mayer was listening to this episode I, right now. I, oh my God. Uh, John Mayer, if you're listening to this, like, I'm not obsessed with you, but sliding to my DMs. <laughs> I like that you're using like reverse psychology. Like, I don't like you. Please don't slide into my DMs. Whatever you do, just stay away from me. Literally, literally, God. We say no to colonization. Sorry. Oh my God. I literally just read this entire like subreddit about that new Mindy Kaling show and like how people are really upset about it because the the main character is like a young Indian girl and she's Mm -hmm. really into this white guy. And they're just like, why is it? Why do we always have to do this? Why do they always have to be in love with a white man? And I'm like, I mean, do you, thoughts? Similar I, thoughts? I, I mean, obviously, I'm not like the, the the spokesperson for brown people. Like, the thing is, I kind of yeah, yeah. I kind of get both sides though, because like, probably when I was, I'm assuming, how old is the girl? Like, 13, 14, 15, 16? Yeah, yeah. Like around that kind of age. Like, I kind of get it because when I was that age, like, that was very much what I was into, and I think that was like a result of. Uh, like the media that I was consuming and like you know being into like indie and indie boys and like yeah um still love an indie boy till this day (laughs) I mean (laughs) but um and so what what was I saying but then yeah no on the other hand I do get it I do feel like it is kind of cliche but then I don't know because I was talking to one of my friends about it earlier today and then she was saying oh like at the end they kind of like nonchalantly say that he's actually like half Japanese and he's yeah. just like super white passing and I'm, I don't know like I think oh yeah that's right he is half Japanese yeah but I don't know like from not I don't know like I don't really feel like that changes that much if I'm honest but yeah I just, so I, I think I'm kind of in the same boat as you, where it's like, I see kind of both sides. Like, I can see why yeah. it can be viewed as, like, problematic. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, when it's the norm in your society that there are just more white men around you and that's just yeah. what you're exposed to all yeah. the time, I think it kind of makes sense. And I don't fault people. And I do think that, in a way, it is kind of, like, realistic, yeah, but at, the same, at the same time, though, I would, I, I do think it would be like a lot more. In, like, the thing is, like, is the show going for realistic or is it going for an interesting storyline? And I definitely exactly. think like, that storyline is something that we have seen before. And I think one of the criticisms that I've seen is that it has been kind of like a recurrent thing in uh, like some of Mindy's other shows. Yeah. So, I mean, it, I just think something outside of that would be interesting and different. For sure. And then there's also this like part of me, though, that feels almost guilty talking shit because I'm like, I feel like yeah. I need to support her. I know exactly like, you know what I mean? Like, I yeah. want to support her. But I don't want to. You know who's not getting any support? Oh, I can't, I can't believe I'm just here on like, your podcast being shady as hell. <laughs> <laughs> this is 
so off brand for me. This is literally like <laughs> real FaceTiming. Um, Lily Singh. I think she's so flipping problematic. I... I'm going to be, I was like, strangely enough, this is going to, I'm a weird YouTube girl. I don't know if you know this about me. Like, I love YouTube. I started following her when she put out her very first video where it was like a music video. Okay. Like, like, so I had been following her for like years and years and years. And I think at the time when she would do these like impressions of her parents, like I was like, oh, ha ha, he he, so funny. And then over time, I was like, wait a second, this is, this, there's something about this that does not feel right. And then Mm -hmm. like, after a while, like, I just was like, yeah, no, it just really, really, really seems like she's like, taking her culture and culture and heritage and just making fun of it constantly. I think there's kind of like a fine line between playing into the stereotypes and then poking fun. Yeah. Like, I think, for example, like, King, whatever you are, the internet has not forgotten you. But Just Rain, I think, did it really well. He didn't overdo <laughs> it. But <laughs> he, he like, we love you we love you um he yeah I just think he did it really well in a way that yeah. was kind of definitely still in touch with the culture but I yeah. think and also like, my problem with Lily Singh is like she just does a lot which I think isn't in her lane like I was on Twitter the other day and I've seen she's done like a feminist bashment remix of like this really famous bashment I think it's bashment let me go put it up like this really famous bashment song and I was just like and she's you know really like speaking in a kind of dialect that isn't even yeah dance hall tune sorry not bashment so yeah it's just like in a kind of oh yeah she does do stuff like that that, but that's like not even her lane and I think especially like and and like with her cornrows and stuff like that and I'm just like you know she has cornrows she has yeah like I've seen pictures of her with cornrows and I'm just like kind of given everything I don't really feel like that's your lane to do that and especially, I just think that I expect like a a level of sensitivity from women of color that I don't expect from other people because it's like you know what that feels like. Yeah, and it's like, and it's also like she's got so much backlash, and then I just feel like she kind of continue like ignores it and then continues posting. Like, yeah. I I saw lots of people, for example, I saw lots of people dragging her for that. Um, that Good. music video, whatever that <laughs> thing she did, I think uh, the dance hall tune thing, whatever she did, and it's just like then she just kind of like didn't even acknowledge, like didn't even acknowledge it, acknowledge even, it, yeah. And I was just like, mm-hmm. and I think I think that also like it, in itself is just kind of like you're not even going to acknowledge that this is happening. So I, I, I have no respect for you. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So Simran and I met <laughs> on a trip in Turkey, okay? But here's the thing. I think I, the first night we met, I was very much so, like, out of it. I feel like I maybe didn't even catch your name. Like, I lost my luggage. I was very frazzled. Simran was very nice to me. The next morning, it was the also very next morning. We all, sorry to interrupt, but also because we were all coming in from, like, completely different... Yes. Um, locations like I was coming in I had come from London you were coming yeah. from like you had done a crazy trip like f- did you have a stopover somewhere like on I the had way a layover from- in Manchester yeah yeah and like everyone was just all of everyone's getting in at different times like it was just it was it was not a lot 
Yeah, it, it was it just was cool. we were we were we yeah. were on like kind of like a press trip, and it was like a big group of girls, mm-hmm. and like you're meeting all these new people, and you're all tired and and whatever. And then I had no clothes, and the next morning um, there was like a group chat that we had created, and Simran was like, "I have a white long sleeve shirt if you want to come borrow it." And so I went to her room. And she, and literally, I hadn't even known you for like 24 hours at this <laughs> point. And you, I'll, I won't forget it because I was like, shit, I'm like, this, this means a lot to me because you're like, this is my weekday white button down. It's one of my favorite shirts. Yeah, but you can it, was, it was one of my favorite. Like, I think if you go on my Instagram, like I'm wearing it <laughs> on, on my Instagram. And I just now. remember thinking, I'm like, this girl is an angel. This girl is the <laughs> nicest person ever. I, w- I don't know that I would let someone borrow my favorite white button down. Like this woman is a great person because no. she's letting me borrow this shirt. And I, it was literally from then on. Need. It was your moment of need. I couldn't just like. <laughs> I know, but it was, it was still, it was very, very nice of you. And like that to me, like just, I don't know. Like, I feel like ever since then, I'm like, that was a great first impression. And also like just a good reflection of like who you are. Like, I would consider that my first impression of you. Like everything before that, I was jet lagged. I was delirious. And I don't remember anything of it. But that part, I was like, that's so kind of you to do to like someone who's essentially a complete stranger. I mean, you're welcome. But I just, I don't know. I just, uh, I would hope that somebody would do the same for me if I was in a similar situation. Yeah, I think you give no, out for sure. You, you get back what you give out. Yeah, definitely. And I just, I don't know. We 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 fell in love in Turkey. <laughs> we Literally. we had a little romance in Turkey. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, I'm like obsessed with Noah. I just, I don't know, not just that. I think everyone. I think I just became obsessed with everyone on that trip. Oh no, it was the best group of girls that I, sure. I could have ever asked for to go on like a trip with for like several days. Like we had so much fun. And then last November, by chance, literally by chance, you and I were both in New York at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I remember being like, wait, hold on. Because we hadn't even, because you don't live in New York either. No, so I just no. Think, yeah, by chance, it was like, I'm so, so, so happy that I got to see you that night. And because I, I was literally in New York for about less than 12 hours before I had to leave to go to Aston exactly like, like it was like a super you, short trip yeah I think you were you were leaving the next day or the day yep. after as well yeah just it was, great it was fate we were yeah, reunited sure. by fate and then we also and then we also have like all of these mutual friends as yes, well yes exactly oh my god yes <laughs> like Nader how, yeah. What are the chances? Like, literally, what are the chances? Yeah. Hi, Nader, if you're Hi, listening. Nader, if you're listening. <laughs> I like that this entire podcast is like, hey, John Mayer, oh, Nader. Shout out to all my boys. Um, <laughs> no, but like, yeah, like, it's just super weird that we, we have all these mutual friends. And then, like, I lived in Malaysia. Your mom is Malaysian. Oh, and I'm just gosh. like, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> I, I feel like when you told me that in Turkey, I feel like that is when our bonding actually started because I feel yeah. like for a good two hours, I was just like, oh my God, you've eaten chicken rice and you love Malaysia and you've been to Kuala Lumpur and like, oh my God, and it's so hot. Yeah, I mean, like, I really feel like that's where we fell in love, that moment. Now you mention it, I'm getting flashbacks. <laughs> 
I literally love Malaysia. Like one of my favorite places in the world. And I just remember like your eyes like lighting up and you were like, I love Malaysia. And I was like, oh my God, we love Malaysia together now. Do you do you like sticky rice also? Do you drink juice out of little plastic bags when you go there? Have you ever been to Batu Caves? Like literally. I'm tense all over just by you saying that. You lived in Malaysia, right? Yeah, I lived there with my grandparents when I was young, but I lived in the south. I lived in a place called Johor Bahru, which is kind of just above the border with Singapore. Um, So, yeah, my mom had me and my sister quite close together, um, and my dad wasn't really around, so I went to live with my grandparents for quite a few years, like five, six years. Okay, and how... what, what? Like, until what age were you living there? Oh, it was, like, literally from a baby till, like, time to start oh, primary from school. from a baby? Yeah, 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 like a baby. I think I was, like, one years old or something. Like, I was, I, weirdly, I don't actually know, but I know that I was very, very, very young. Yeah. I, I didn't know that you, because I was like, I feel like I remember you telling me that you'd lived there before, but I couldn't remember specifically, but I had no idea uh, that you were so young when you lived there. So, do you, wait, do you speak Malay? No, no. Um, I wish I could like I wish I could at least understand it but I think because basically when it was time for education and stuff that's when I came back Um, so all of like my primary memories are in either Punjabi or English okay so yeah you're you're just a little you know Indian Malaysian Londoner girl beautiful by the way like literally this girl's stunning I'm gonna have a picture of her on the podcast Instagram account like you guys are gonna freak out but you are also a model how did how did that career come to be like was it something that you really wanted or did it just kind of happen it very much just kind of happened like I think like my whole life I've been pretty tall like kind of always the tallest person in the year group in the class especially like definitely the tallest girl um and everyone always used to say to me like oh you know you should be a model and I kind of always just thought that they were saying that just because I was tall um <laughs> and then and then literally it was the most randomest kind of five minutes of my life I was do you remember Marina and the Diamonds yes you just like yeah so it was I was in Camden outside this like venue called Coco and I was there to see Marina and the Diamonds because this is kind of like when she was not that she's not in her heyday now, not to sound rude. Yeah, 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 but, but she had her she moment was, like a few yeah, years ago. Yeah, she was like, she, Electra Hall and all of that stuff. So um, it was, yeah, and I was literally outside this venue and I was with a couple of my friends and this woman just came up to me and she was just like, oh, excuse me, have you ever like considered becoming a model? And I kind of looked at her and I was like, what? Because it was something that I had I also really didn't know a lot about so she just kind of like took my photos and um like gave me her card and when she gave me her card all of my friends were like oh my god and I was like wait what like what's such what's the big (laughs) deal and they were like oh my god it's I guess I can okay I'm not gonna say that agency oh it's like it's like it's a well-known agency yeah like a well-known worldwide agency and like oh my god you know like you win a um, contract with them if you win like Britain's Next Top Model like da, 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 da. and I was like oh really like cool but obviously because I was so like 
um, oblivious to the modeling industry and like the whole modeling world because bear in mind like my kind of bubble was this little London bubble very working class very like black and brown kids like kind of thing so I kind of really wasn't exposed to that kind of stuff growing up yeah. I was more like so exposed to like this thing called Sunrise Radio when I was growing up and like yeah. Asian channels and BBC and stuff like that like I wasn't really into the fashion world yeah um so yeah then I think she took my num no she, I think I dropped her an email like a few days later and I was just like oh hi um you know you found me in Camden a few days ago and then she called me and she was like yeah 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 I'd love you to come into the agency like get your pictures taken and like we can see um yeah and that was kind of so you literally just got scouted just like Honestly, wait, how old were you 17 I was a baby oh you were a baby okay a yeah baby. first of all I'm proud of you for even thinking to send a follow-up email <laughs> like you know what I mean like I feel like I didn't know that you should do that until I was like in my mid-20s like oh follow-up emails that's a thing literally I don't know I think it was kind of like because everyone was like oh no do it do it do it yeah and I was just like oh okay like and then I did some research and I was like wait this person was signed to this agency what the hell and yeah. then I was just kind of like oh you know what at this point I literally just I was I think I was very nonchalant about it I didn't really take it very seriously didn't really go in with many expectations it was just kind of like oh I, I think that was because I was so oblivious I feel like you don't take it take yourself too seriously when it comes to that not that you don't take it seriously because it's like when you have a job you're going to take it seriously but yeah. I feel like at the same time you're not like I don't know like just super like my looks are everything and like I feel like that doesn't define your value to you and that's not how you come off at all even though you're stunning and like you know anyone who saw you would be like oh yeah that girl's really beautiful but like you don't let your entire personality ride on that and so it doesn't surprise me at all that you just kind of were like oh this is a thing you want me to model like okay yeah I mean like don't get me like thank you firstly and also like I think don't get me wrong I think when I was 17 I was still very very impressionable I didn't really have like a strong sense of self and um definitely like they they said things to me that had knock-on effects for example like they told me I needed to lose inches off my waist and stuff like that but I think that what you what you've said about not letting my looks define my value is definitely something that I've come to learn and yeah. like be a bit more confident in over time but I which I don't know how do you think that it affected you having them like criticize your body or telling you to change your body at such a young age because I feel like that's hard for anyone like that would be hard for yeah. me right now yeah it, it was it definitely had like negative effects it was definitely like it definitely I don't know initially it was probably a good thing because it definitely made me like be a bit more conscious about what I was actually eating because like I kind of before that had the very typical kind of teenager diet which was not very healthy so I did like start eating healthier and I did start working out but then I just think it just spiraled very quickly um and very hmm 
intensely as well to the point where like I I lost a lot of weight in a very short amount of time and I think back to how like my waist was 69 centimeters which I'm not sure how much that is in inches yeah I'm like centimeters I'm like oh I couldn't even begin to do the math on that let's let's look up 69 centimeter to inches okay that's that's small that's 27 inches that's small and and then it went and then I got down to 62 in oh like shit! Two two and a half months. So, yeah, that's 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 a little that that's scary. Yeah, it, like it was very like intense. So, like that kind of put me off modeling for a while. And I had kind of had to take a step back from my own sanity. Was that a decision that you kind of came to on your own? Yeah, for sure. Because also, like, bear in mind, my parents, like, immigrant parents, I don't think they really knew. Like, my mom did come with me to the initial meeting. I think since I was young, I've always been quite independent and I've always known, like, what I need to do for myself. So I think that was, like, I just kind of knew I had to do that. That's so, such, like, a mature way of thinking of things that you wouldn't expect out of, like, a teenage girl to, like, take a step back and be like, wait, maybe this isn't healthy maybe I need to take a step back reassess collect my thoughts and then you know approach this again yeah but I also think sometimes you get to a point in your life where you're like can I imagine life continuing like this like is this is there all there is to life and I think that sometimes like I ask myself that in lots of different scenarios like I've asked myself that in relationships and career and jobs and I think if the answer is no it means that something needs to change. Like, yeah. like I, that's kind of like, yeah, that's definitely given me a lot of solace in breakups and stuff. Just, is this how I want the rest of my life to be? And it's no. So, okay, obviously something needs to change. Which I'm telling you, like, Simran, I'm like, literally, I'm like, who even are you? You're wise beyond your years because <laughs> I have a similar thought process. But again, I didn't develop this until I was probably like, 25 years old which is is this gonna bother me a month from now yeah. is this gonna bother me like a year a from, year now, from now, now three years yeah. Yeah. yeah you think about things like long term and you think how is this actually going to impact me or affect me is this sustainable is this something that I want to yeah. continue doing what is it going to do for how is it going to affect me and then kind of go from there and you're right it brings you a lot of comfort especially in in difficult times whether it's like heartbreak or losing a friend or a job or whatever it is like those are difficult times to cope with and having this kind of like long-term perspective does help manage it in a way no for sure because then I think you just start to just get so much more perspective I think mm-hmm. that's like to me that's kind of like the whole thing just being able to get I, not my whole thing but definitely like a big thing that yeah. grounds me in a lot of my day-to-day life I think yeah definitely is just perspective and I think perspective is a really really important thing that I think a lot of people kind of tend to forget and overlook and I think once you maintain perspective you kind of do realize that it affects me but it's not about me yeah and I think that again, like, I just think to to kind of have that mindset at such a young age, like you talked about, like, being kind of independent. And I think there's definitely pros and cons to like having to, do you feel like you were forced into like independence at a young age? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or not, maybe not yeah. like forced, but like kind of put in a position where like being independent was 
a way of survival. Yeah, definitely. Like, I think, yeah, like I've spoken before about um, my dad not really being around when I was younger and stuff. And I just, I, yeah, like, I, I don't think many people realize, like, not, I don't know, not to sound like woe is me, but I don't really think many people realize, like, what I actually have been through in my life. Like, yeah. coming from, majority of my life like a very single parent working class immigrant family and again not to play like the victim card but you know not really you're not playing the victim card at all not really having like a lot of money being like a a brown girl like the cultural expectations that come with that and then like you know I had to I started like I got my first job so I started modeling at 17 but then I also like got a job in Ikea when I was 19 when I was in I don't know what the equivalent of it you guys call it in America but here it was college so it was like what you go before where you go before university so when I was in college I was like doing my A-levels but I was working 18 hours a week at Ikea so I could put myself through university and then when I was in university like I went to like a really well-off like a lot of people who went to my university were like well off and loads like a really high intake came from private schools but obviously like I didn't have that money and a lot of my peers like their parents were paying for their rent because I, I wasn't living in London at this point I'd moved to Bristol for uni and like I was paying for my own rent I was paying all my uni costs I was working and I was do- like studying full-time and then I was back and forth from London to here like doing modeling jobs as well and then working in urban outfits like and then when I was in third year like my my flat burnt down well not my whole flat just my room oh my burnt God. Down. yeah there was like a fire in my room and like I lost everything and it was like two weeks before my final deadline and my laptop had been burnt like I just, oh my like, god yeah it was just like a lot and I just and then like everything with my dad being like in and out of jail and stuff as well like I just think that there's like a lot of factors in my life that have yeah like made me become I did listen to the podcast that you were on where you where you talk about kind of you know growing up and and kind of being in a single mother kind of household and your mom was always working and and your dad was in and out of jail and you know it was just a lot of you kind of relying on yourself and that's not to say that it's because it sounds like your mom is like an amazing woman so that's no like shade at her at all but you know she's trying to do what she needs to do as well which you know is it's difficult there's a lot of different responsibilities that are being juggled and and being a single parent just in general I think is is a struggle I've seen my sisters do it and or one of my sisters do it and I know that it's not easy even if you have all the family in the world helping you and supporting you it's just not it's just not easy. But then also, yeah. you know, being being a girl and then on top of that, being a brown girl and then on top of that, kind of having these difficulties at home. And it, it is it does create obstacles for you, though, because because you you went in the direction of, OK, I'm going to be. I'm going to be more responsible. I'm going to try to take care of myself. I'm going to try to work. I'm going to try to support myself. Not not everyone goes in that direction. Uh, yeah, I yeah, no, for sure. I, like, often think, like, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think about that a lot, too. And I'm like, wow, my yeah. life could have, my life could have easily turned out so much more different than it has. Yeah. So, yeah, you're And, right. like, it, w- w- do you feel like when you were younger, were you, I don't know if, like, you remember, but, like, because, I mean, God, I couldn't even remember what I was feeling yesterday, but do you, were you, like, thinking, like, okay, like, 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like if if I work hard, I'm going to be able to to change my circumstances. Was that ever something that you were thinking about? Or were you just like kind of in survival mode? I think it was no, I think it was more just like, I was always kind of just thinking about the next thing. Like I never really had a long term plan. I was never looking into the future. I knew like I knew like kind of everyone knows, you know, or most people, I don't know, people's goals change, but you know, people think, okay, you know, I'd like to be married when I'm older. I'd like to have a house, da, 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 a dog, a cat. Um, so I kind of like had that rough idea, but I, I never really went and thought like, oh no, yeah, I'm going to go out and be a model and I'm going to like do these work, this work for brands and stuff like that. It was kind of just like, okay, I finished high school. Okay, now I've got to go to college and now I've got to go to uni. And then I just feel like after uni, after I finished uni, everything kind of just started falling into place. And I just feel like since then I've kind of been gliding and seeing where, where and how things go and, you know, just taking little adjustments as and when. And I think that honestly, I mean, this is going to be a generalization that I'm going to make right now, but I feel like that's kind of everyone. I mean, I know that I feel that way a lot of the time where it just kind of like, I kind of know what I'm doing. I like what I'm doing, but also like, you know, I'm open to evolving and changing and growing and doing things differently and maybe dabbling in something that, you know, I might not have been interested in a year or two ago and just kind of going with the flow almost mm-hmm. I feel like that sounds a little too hippy dippy but like no, no, you know no, whatever I think like you know like kudos to those people who were like you know I want to be a dentist and then yeah work towards being a dentist for their whole lives but I just think that I'm not that person and I, I have kind of always known like I would say that one thing that I've always kind of known is I was I never knew what I wanted to do but I always knew that when I'm working like I just want to be able to be creative and juggle different projects like that was that was one thing that I like remember I remember just thinking like I want to be able to work on different projects and I just feel like yeah, I've kind of been able to manifest that into my life right now through different avenues like be it modeling be it writing be it journalism be it doing stuff with brands be it consulting like yeah I mean I definitely feel like you're very 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 multifaceted and also something that I like respect you for is that you always somehow tie it back into kind of advocating for diversity. Like I feel like you find a way to just do it really seamlessly and really naturally. I feel like sometimes when people do it, it's corny. I know that's like a dick thing to say, but whatever. (laughs) But like when you do it, it's not corny. It just seems very genuine because it's, I can tell that it's something that is important to you. And it's probably because, you know, I don't want to speak for you, but like it wasn't something that you had a lot of growing up. Yeah, no, for sure. I think, well, firstly, thank you for the kind words. And (laughs) secondly, yeah, no, for sure. I think it, I think also, sometimes I think when you're actively thinking about something all the time, it's hard to implement it in a way that is organic. Whereas I feel like maybe just for me and through my lived experiences, like I like hearing you say that, I was kind of like, oh really? Like that's so interesting. And maybe that's just because for me, I don't really consider it. I just think of it as part of my happening. Yeah, it's just part of my lived experience and part of like the narrative of my life that I'm sharing with the world. You're just kind of sharing these experiences that you have and it kind of just seamlessly like ties into like advocating for inclusion and diversity because it's just kind of a part of who you are thank you 
I love it. I love it so much. And and you're you're such a good writer. So I was stalking you before um, this episode, and I oh, had read a couple. Did homework. <laughs> I did my homework. I had read a couple of your articles. I think like a few months ago, I did a little bit of a deep dive because also uh, me and Simran have been t- trying to organize this podcast recording for like like Mom. half a year, <laughs> literally. And then t- every single time, some kind of technical issue. <laughs> So many, so many technical issues. It was very funny. But also, yeah, so like I I had done a little bit of research, but I read some of your more recent pieces. um, And number one, like I just everything that you write about, like, it just always comes. It's so you're so you allow yourself to be so vulnerable. And it I don't know. I really respect vulnerability. Like if there's anything I respect out of people, especially people with larger platforms, it's when they allow themselves to be vulnerable. I'm just like, that's really hard to do even like with like a close friend who you've known for years let alone just kind of the world Mm. have you always kind of been the type of person to be okay with being vulnerable or is this something that like through growth and just life you've gotten comfortable with I think a lot of it is that Pisces energy. <laughs> no, I know you said you don't know much about. Um, you know, I don't know astrology. shit about what Pisces energy is. That could mean anything. No, I just, I don't know. I think maybe it's just like part of the person that I am. Like, I do feel like I'm very emotional and like the soft boys and like I'm baby but with power. <laughs> but, I'm um, baby with power. I'm dying. <laughs> but also, um, I don't know. I think. I think, again, this is like just something that I've kind of learned throughout my life is that I find things easier to navigate when I am open and when I don't feel like I have to hide certain things. Like I think there's a difference between keeping certain things and aspects of your life private and then also just kind of like denying their existence. Yeah. Like, for example, when when I like publicly spoke about my dad for the first time, I just felt such a weight off my shoulders because that was something that I had felt so much shame and guilt around um for a long time so just being able to kind of own that truth yeah I think a lot of it is just owning my truth and kind of being like you know I'm not perfect like nobody is but this is just literally my story my journey and if it can resonate with you in some small way then that's great but I don't think I'm also, I'm not putting out my story just with the intention of hoping that it does resonate with someone. I'm putting out my story just in like a means of being true to myself. It's interesting that you said that you felt so much shame and guilt, especially like, you know, with, with your father. And I think that with South Asian culture, Arab culture, there's always a lot of shame and guilt. Yeah. Especially when it comes to like, quote unquote, private family things. You know what I mean? It's like, this is like a private family thing. You don't talk to anyone about it. Yeah, anything to do with like relationships between like any, I think, yeah, relationships and there's so much like to do with honor and shame. And I think that one thing that people don't actually talk about enough is about what it feels like being a girl in like these households and growing up with this expectation of honor and shame into your Mm -hmm. brain and what that actually does for your mental health. Because I feel like growing up, a lot of it, I think it just like gave me a lot of anxiety at the same time as well, because I'd be going about my life and sometimes I'd just have like this thought in the back of my head, like, oh, am I shaming my family? like by choosing to do this and even with like some of my modeling stuff like I did this um 
music video for Skepta and like in it I mean seen it did her homework um no and in it I was like in a bikini and I was just like wait like is this wrong like I didn't feel uncomfortable with doing it but the, the thought of like family members seeing it I was like oh, whoa like is this anxiety inducing and, and even now with like my platform knowing that you know aunties who I probably see once a year talk about me and yeah. like I, like now it doesn't really affect me as much but I definitely think growing up as like a teenage girl who wasn't really sure of herself it does contribute a lot to mental like stress and like just yeah general stress and anxiety and I think that you're right a lot a lot of times it's not it's not something that's spoken about but the, it, yeah. it, it puts like a, there's an immense amount of pressure that's put on girls just globally but I think in these South Asian Middle Eastern households, it's like a different kind of pressure. And like, you're meant to like, uphold your family name at the age of like 12. Like, that's just, you're a child, like, you don't know shit. Like, how are you? You don't have the tools to do that. You don't know. And and it makes you have all of the self doubt and and a whole lot of shame, like, and and a lot of it. And I, I almost feel guilty, because I'm like, a lot of it is so unintentional like I don't think my mom ever consciously tried to make me feel shame but because that's how she was raised that's kind of all she knows so I would do something and she'd be like oh don't sit like that you're a girl like have some shame and I was like oh I guess I don't sit like that then you know what I mean like but over time these things do kind of affect the way you approach situations the way you think about things and definitely anxiety inducing and I also think it to go off that I also think it affects the way you think about yourself because I think me growing up I think it because I was always second guessing myself it kind of meant that my confidence wasn't able to fully flourish the way that it could have because I was always like kind of two-stepping like wait is this right is this wrong Mm -hmm. so am I behaving the way like a you know insert whatever person should be behaving like I would think that all the time like am I behaving like a good Arab Muslim girl should you know what I mean I mean I very quickly realized that that's not something that I'm even interested in but you know but there was a time that I was like I feel like I should be behaving in a certain way and it just I don't know I just really overthought things it was just a lot of overthinking and self-doubt and questioning myself no yeah for sure completely relate 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 And, and I know that now you, I don't know if you're still in therapy, especially since there's like quarantine stuff, but, um, I know that, you know, wellness and mental health is something that's really important to you and you do meditation and you, you go to therapy and stuff. How did you kind of find your way and navigate through that kind of world? And, and is it something that you're, you feel like maybe you would have started earlier if it weren't for kind of your culture? Mm, how did I if I'm honest I think a lot of being able to even navigate it was being lucky enough to be financially independent and have my own income and I think that like therapy is expensive especially private because here the waiting list in the NHS is just so long and I think I've kind of reached a breaking point um 
oh, I, I'm like trying to think where, where where do I even begin? Well, like I feel like I've my mental health has always been like a little bit shaky, but I'd say I kind of really pinpoint it around 15, 16. Um, and then just kind of like through various experiences in my life, like I remember going to work at Ikea and I remember walking in and just feeling that my heart was pounding, like my heart was pounding and I was getting cold sweats. And I was kind of like, wait, hold on. Why am I even feeling like this? Because I'm going to work. I've done this. Like I do this three times a week. I've done this three times a week for like the last year. Why am I, why am I so on edge? There's like nothing here that could trigger, should trigger me. But I just kind of like lived like that for about four, four, five, four, I'd say probably four years. Um, And then I was just kind of like, just kind of assuming that that is what anxiety was. Like sometimes you just feel on edge, like very on edge for long periods of time. Like with me, my anxiety would, like I've had it when I was in the library studying before exams, but I've also had it when I've been at pre-drinks before a night out like there was literally like no pattern between my anxiety so I just I just kind of assumed because out of like a lack of knowledge just kind of assumed that that's what it was that's what everyone else who said that they had anxiety dealt with until like one day it just got so bad and I was so on edge and I was really stressed out from exams and I was just like you know this is the last thing that I need right now so I went to the GP and she was like to me, no, you know, you actually have panic, what they called panic disorder, which is like panic attacks that have no trigger, like I said. And so you have to do like a whole range of stuff. But I remember the first thing she kind of um, suggested to me was mindfulness. And I remember, I remember being in that doctor's office and just kind of being like, you're just telling me to sit there and breathe. Like <laughs> that does nothing for the kind of physical aspects of what I'm going through. Like for me, it was like, it was the panic, the mental panic would kick in once the physical symptoms had kicked in for me. So I was just like, this does nothing to help me. And I just feel like for a few years, it was kind of just that kind of like back and forth between me and GPs and therapists and not really finding anything that worked for me until I was able to now be financially independent and find my own therapist and find someone who is brown and who is able to... I'm able to relate to um and like luckily like one of my best friends also has a therapist and I just kind of yeah I just kind of randomly had a breakdown one day um and we were like having coffee and I just like started crying in this cafe and she has a therapist who she's really close to and so she got her therapist to recommend someone to me um and that's kind of yeah how I've been navigating it I don't even know if I yeah. answered your question I feel like I went no, on you- really you did answer it no you I think you definitely answered it and like I think that first of all like having someone be able to give you a referral is super helpful and I think also finding a therapist who understands like culture and understands what you've gone through like what I've like you just have to find someone who's able to understand nuance and isn't just kind of like oh so your parents didn't let you go out when you were 13 like no it's not as black and white as that kind of thing you know and that's like I think even if that person isn't like exactly the same culture like even if that person is West Indian or something yeah yeah like just as long as they have kind of this understanding of that different types of culture and understanding the dynamics family dynamics is so important because I think the last thing anyone wants to do while they're kind of spilling their guts out and just telling this person all of these you know 
kind of really emotional things is like then having to pause and be like let me explain to you what this yeah. holiday represents you know yeah, what i mean yeah, like yeah. another layer of like emotional labor that you don't need yeah and and i think that there's just they'll be able to understand you in a in a deeper way and also again yeah like when you say things like oh my mom didn't let me spend the night at my friend's house or go to like a party at this time she's not gonna be like oh like I just feel like there's different ways of approaching things and I just know that like you know my mom didn't let me go out not because she like hated me and wanted me to have no friends it's just because like that's the norm to her like you don't you don't spend the night at people's houses. That was just, unless you know them really well, like you don't do that. And like, I don't know. I just feel like, yeah, you, you kind of have to get the culture to, to fully kind of grasp these childhood scenarios and trauma and everything that comes with it. No, for sure. I completely agree. And do you practice mindfulness or do you still kind of think it's, I, it's not, you know, you know like, you know what I actually read I've re- recently that I thought was really interesting was, you know, to kind of circle back to our, funnily enough, come full circle, to circle back to our conversation earlier about what we were having about appropriation. The conversation that I was reading was actually saying that mindfulness as a standalone thing actually has kind of, in Western culture, or wellness culture, I guess, we're kind of taught, oh, it just means, you know, be in tune with your body and be in the moment, be present, focus on, you know, if you're eating a meal, focus on eating the meal in front of you. If you're taking a walk, focus on the trees. And actually, like, the whole concept of it, if I'm, if, you know, what I read was right, don't come don't come for me if it's wrong, but <laughs> I, I kind of prefer this, this version anyway, is that it's actually taken from a Buddhist teaching which says that mindfulness is actually like more of a holistic thing. It's not just about being present. Like I feel like the way we're packaged in the West is almost a little bit selfish. It's all about, you know, me and how I'm feeling and what I'm doing in the world, which, you know, is important. You have to look after yourself. But the Buddhist um, interpretation of it is actually like mindfulness in the whole world and how you're navigating the whole world, being mindful in your actions towards others in your relationships towards others in your speech towards others in your like giving towards others and not just kind of such an internal kind of um take on it and so yeah if we're going to talk about mindfulness I think I prefer that definition that's kind of the more approach I would prefer to take yeah and I I I, I tend to agree with you and I think there is, especially during these weird quarantine times, I don't know where quarantine came from, but I, I was realizing something, which is that I feel the best. Obviously there's ups and downs, but I feel the best during quarantine when I'm walking alone and just looking around like at nature, Mm -hmm. like I don't, I I guess I've always liked nature. Like, it's not like I suddenly now realize that I like, I've always enjoyed nature. But I was like, like, I hate trees. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. But like, why is, why do I feel the best? It's really interesting how looking at nature can make you think about just like the world and like creation and like why we all exist. And just, I don't know. I had like a whole existential crisis, like looking at trees. Yeah, perspective, (laughs) for sure. 
and it gives you perspective, but then it also gives you kind of this sense of like grounding. Yeah. Yeah. It just really, yeah. Grounding. It really makes you feel grounded. Just knowing that like, regardless of our differences, like every human being is experiencing life and going through kind of all the same emotions and feelings that I am right now. And at the end of the day, regardless of all these hardships, we can still appreciate going on walks, breathing fresh air and just enjoying nature. I don't know. That's at least how it made me feel the other day. I don't know if that's mindfulness or if that's just me like having some type of episode, but it was would comforting. You, would you say that that's your um, quarantine learning so far? Uh, thus far, other than that and realizing that apparently I'm really, really good at cooking. Uh, oh, girl, get it, get it, get it, get it, get it. Love that which, for you. Well, I know that you love that for me because you're like, and I, I'm not like, I feel like the word foodie has a negative connotation. But there is no negative connotation when I tell you that this girl is a foodie, but like a real foodie, like a cool foodie. <laughs> I don't know. Like an, an no, edgy foodie. You are. Edgy, oh okay. God, so cute. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, I like, I feel like I'm just like so fake deep about food. Like, I feel like I'll be like <laughs> looking at like, I'd be looking at like, I don't even know, like some noodles. And I'd be like, oh my God, yeah, noodles like remind me of this one time with my dad when I was like four and da, 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 and like I'd just go into like, I, I feel like I'm just so fake deep about food. But like unintentionally. I love that you're like, I'm fake deep about it. I don't know. I, I, I literally had never tried cooking before quarantine and now I can't stop. But I understand the fake deepness because I made like a very like, very very arab dish yesterday and i just like listened to really old arabic music and i just really channeled my old arab woman that lives inside of me and i i got a little fake deep about it i'm not gonna lie no but like is did you i don't know if you remember remember we were in turkey and i had that like whole little episode in the restaurant do you remember is it the one where the guy made you like kebabs and stuff that were like vegetarian yeah Yeah. and I was just like but that's that's like kind of the essence of it like you know my whole thing is that food is never just food there is always like we kind of I think in in our society now food has kind of just been treated in a vacuum it's in like in our busy lives it's oh let's just go to this restaurant and like grab dinner or like 15 minute meals or like meal prep and all of this stuff but actually there's so like food there's so much around it this culture there's stories there's memories there's like experience and I think even if you don't cook you still have a relationship to food and I think that I think that that's actually something that people are collectively realizing during current quarantine and during cooking which I think is really special and that's exactly what it is I mean Simran I've never in my life felt an urge to go look up a recipe to make some type of Arab meal and then cook it that's (laughs) never but now (laughs) but like it's just like now that I'm like alone I'm in quarantine I can't just like go to my mom's house anytime I want and there's like a certain comfort that comes with it that I associate with these dishes like they make me feel at home they make me feel safe they make me feel comforted and, and exactly that like there's so much nostalgia that I have in relation to any like there's a one restaurant in Orlando that makes roti chanai it's like an Asian fusion but it's not like a fully Malaysian restaurant but they make roti chanai and like I just have to order it every time I go there like yeah. I just actually yeah. like, I, I, I feel I like that. an obligation because yeah. I'm just like 
I have such positive memories and so much nostalgia and just good fucking feelings attached to this meal. Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally feel that. And it's just like, you kind of know also like that is the one thing that's going to make me feel good. And that's the, yes. it's just a no brainer. Exactly. And like, it, it, it just, I think that also something that I'm realizing, one of my quarantine realizations is that there is something to be said about like preparing food for yourself, especially when it's like meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. Like making it with your own two hands rather than just going to a restaurant. I mean, obviously going to a restaurant is great. I love it. I love going to restaurants. I love I eating. Miss it. I miss it. Wait, what What have you been cooking? Have you been cooking anything? I've actually, yeah. Well, the thing is, I thought that I would be cooking way... Well, I have been cooking. I cook nearly every single day. But I haven't thought that I would be... I thought, oh my God, I can't speak. I thought <laughs> that I would be experimenting more than I have been. Um, but I actually found that I've just kind of, I have experimented. Like yesterday I made like this paneer dish for the first time. Um, but like, I don't know, I've, I've also enjoyed cooking, but also taken solace in things that have been easy as well. Yeah. If that makes yeah. sense. Like I've just really enjoyed like roasting a whole tray of vegetables and just putting that in a salad and I've enjoyed like making yeah. eggs for breakfast every day and I've enjoyed making like hearty curries and pancakes I've eaten so many pancakes oh my god <laughs> I've eaten so many pancakes <laughs> like oh my god but do you know what I actually really miss like I'm such a basic bitch do you know what I actually really miss I miss what? just having like a cup of coffee in my hand like a takeaway cup like a starbucks cup or um, i don't discriminate any type of cup of coffee like a vanilla soy oat <laughs> situation like i miss that so much more than i can articulate I, I genuinely think that'll be one of the first things that i do i don't know why i don't know if it's like a habit thing if it's like a like a ghost limb <laughs> i just really, no, but really it's, it's it. what you were saying before like there's you you associate it with like a good feeling and I, it, yeah, I, I I can relate to this so yeah, much I think that I associate it with like being busy and being productive like yes, on yes. my way and making my way downtown kind of vibes and <laughs> <laughs> so I think, no, I think sure. maybe, maybe that's what it is maybe I just miss my like I think I miss my old life I miss my old working life I miss and it's like a little luxury to be able to go sure. get this little to-go latte there's just something about it it's like an instant gratification instant yeah, pick facts, me up facts. it just makes you you feel and again like yeah you're busy making my way downtown walking fast yeah 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 the whole the whole thing it just god now I want to drink coffee out of a to-go cup I'm so sorry and like the thing is when lockdown first initially started like some places were still doing it but it wasn't really I think because I was still settling in it wasn't really like a priority it wasn't something like okay you know what I'm gonna go on a walk just to get like a to-go coffee and I also think it doesn't it doesn't really have the same effect you know, if you're like, oh, I'm in lockdown, I'm going to go walk to this coffee and then walk back to my house when I have a Nescafe at home. I don't know about you, but like, there's only been a handful of times that I've actually walked into any place other than a grocery store since lockdown happened. And one of the only places I've walked into is an ice cream place. And it's usually because mm-hmm. there's no one in there. And it's like family owned. And I just literally every I just I don't even want the ice cream. I'm like, I have to go in here and buy ice cream from these people. But like, I feel really guilty after yeah 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 I get that like I haven't really been out like that 
Like I've yeah. only really been to the, because there's also not really many places that I can go in or like, but I kind of feel that dilemma about ordering food because I'm like, like yes. on one hand, I'm like, you know, single-handedly saving the economy to put me up for a Nobel Prize in economics but on the other yeah. hand I'm like is this really irresponsible and you know exactly. am, I, am I making like these these Uber Eats drivers risk their health by coming yes. to deliver me food but then on the other hand I'm like oh wait but then if they're working they must need money so I'm helping them get money and like I'm helping my my favorite local businesses and but but is it irresponsible am I like helping jet spread it's such a such a uh, uh, it's a really exactly it's just it's a really tricky situation where there's kind of a lot of gray area and it's also so new to everyone we've never lived in a quarantine before and hopefully won't have to after this but like it's so new and there's constantly new information and it just kind of like yeah exactly what you're saying like I want to support these local businesses that I love and I know these people and like I'm a regular here and I want to I want to help them be able to keep their business open their livelihood but like at the same time it's like is this selfish of me to do this am I putting these people at risk am I putting myself at risk it just so many things that like go around it but yeah literally this ice cream place just happens to be right next to my house so a lot of times I just will be driving past it when I'm on the way home from like the store when I go like once every like 10 days or whatever and I'm like I should just go in and get an ice cream I mean it's literally right here and then every time I go in I'm like this is a great idea and then I leave I'm like this is a terrible idea why did I do this and I just it's it's such a tricky situation I think it's all about moderation yeah and I think about something that only you can really judge for yourself. A hundred percent. And yeah, I think that at first there was a lot of, I feel like people online just kind of screaming at you. Um, I don't know yeah. about you, but I definitely experienced a few people just telling me that I was doing everything wrong. Like ev- everything. They were like, why are you using, you know, cleaners that aren't like basically Clorox? And I'm like, well, you know, I usually use natural cleaners and I don't usually like using chemicals in my house. And mm-hmm. I don't know if people are aware of this, but they're all sold out. Like I can't find Clorox. So it's not like I have a choice. I just have to like make do with what I have. But I feel like people at the very beginning were really quick to just kind of jump down your throat. But one thing that I can say now that actually kind of like a feel good thing is that I feel like people are like easing up and like kind of more so coming together and being a little kinder to one another I don't know if you've kind of noticed that happening no yeah for sure but I think that's also come with um people just settling into this a bit more yeah for sure um and honestly I'm I know that you know I don't know. I know that it's a weird time and I'm like, I always like struggle. I'm like, do I want to talk about it? Do I not want to talk yeah, about it? But yeah, sure. it, it, it's like a whole other thing. But, but, but before we like kind of like wrap up, I just want to say thank you so much for doing this. Ooh, and thank you. I love and I you. Hope that, I hope that we can do it again. I'm sorry. It's taken so long and I love you too. I feel like we talked about everything that I've been wanting to talk to you about. This is also like a, a very selfish catch up with Simran for me while simultaneously <laughs> being a podcast. <laughs> whilst getting content. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Getting content, but also catching up with my friend. Um, but yeah, it's it was so good talking to you. Where can people find you online? Anything that you want to plug, let, let the people know. 
Um, so you can find me on Instagram. My at is literally just Simran, S-I-M-R-A-N. Um, if you want, I have a food page. It's called Sim Snacking. You can check yeah. that out. I'm hoping to launch a food show. And also while you're at Whilst you're there, um, whilst you're on my main profile, Simran, subscribe to my newsletter. The link is in my bio. Subscribe to her newsletter. Also, I'm freaking out right now because of this cooking show information, which is new to me. And once this happens, because it's going to happen, I will let you guys know. I'll keep you in the loop. <laughs> Simran, I'm so glad that we did this. As always, you yeah. guys, you could uh, follow the podcast on Instagram at Arab American Psycho. You could follow me at Nor E. And I will talk to you guys next week. <laughs>